thanks for watching or listening to episode 83 of VIP Boxing's Bell to Bell podcast. That's just to let you know, this will be our last one before a summer break. Woody's got no more shows coming up. He's off all over the place, sunning himself. I'm actually coming home to do some work for once. I've been on my travels for a month, but, you know, Woody's the lucky one. John Evans just stays at home in Oldham because he's, he's, he's the busy one out of a lot of us, apart, well, apart from Woody. I'm certainly not that busy. I would have been out here for so long. But there you go. Uh, if you can leave us a review on YouTube, great. And even more important, if you could sign up and subscribe to VIP Boxing's YouTube, even better. There's, there's loads of content on there, and that will be updated regularly during the summer with different interviews. Anyway, I'm Steve Lillis. You know my co-host, John Evans. And today, before we take a break, only one man we could have on is the head of VIP, Phil Taylor. I mean, Steve Wood. Yeah. Steve, tell us what's happening in VIP land before we kick up, kick off. Listen, it's uh, been good today. I've uh, seen all the boxing tweets and everything going on. People looking for the opponents and stressing out for the show on Saturday. We did our last one on Saturday night and uh, no more till September the 10th now. So uh, I feel the pain for all the others, but uh, it's relaxed now and... Uh, getting on with being the engineering salesman for the next six weeks. Six weeks? Oh, from what I heard, a rumour you're spending more time on a boat than your mate Frank Joseph does in Spain, mate, for the next six weeks. That's, yeah. that's the rumour, Steve, anyway. Yeah. In boxing, yeah. anyway. But boxing rumours do spiral out of control. Well, that, that's all for do, anyway, because I'm chilling out, I'm relaxing, and uh, boxing second of back seat for a while, mate, yeah? Well, we've you noticed he's changed his backdrop, Steve, to make people think he's he actually does a little bit during the day. <laughs> oh, he's got his nuts and bolts there, isn't he? He's, <laughs> he's got his valves behind him, Steve. I've had to come up here because it's the only cool place in the building. So, uh, yeah, I'm sound. I'm in the uh, the conference room here now. Yeah, well, uh, that's, that's where the real work takes place, Steve. But, no, it's good for you to come on tonight, mate. And, uh, you know, we look forward to what, what you've got forward for us. Well, what can we look forward to in the new season? Yeah, well, September the 10th is the first one, which is a, a show at Blackpool and a big 10 fight card, good top of the bill, four local kids from Blackpool, rematch with uh, Owen Kirk against Jake Bray, who beat him last oh, time, yeah, debut of um, Roman Fiore, so uh, great first card, a lot of interest in that one. The 17th, we're going back to Bolton, where we was the other night, got some... Uh, title fights and uh, some good VIPs against VIPs and uh, that'll be a belter. Um, got a tournament where we're going to put some of our lads together as well and then uh, Liverpool on the 24th. Then in October, uh, we go to Doncaster, which hopefully will be the first of a televised uh, series that we're going to be doing as well. Just waiting for clarification on that one, but uh, we're cracking on with it all, Steve. So we're going to be busier than ever, but um, we're going to do less shows, more quality, mate. Have you signed Roman Fury? He's not with me. He's with my good pal, Jimmy Addington. Well, right. So, yeah, you, yeah, you, I know Jimmy Jimmy helps with the Doncaster shows and trains. Yeah, people. yeah, doing shows with Jimmy and Doncaster. He's asked me if you can put him on as a favour. But makes sense, doesn't it? You know, with the Fury family all being yeah. from uh, Markham around the corner, yeah. Anything to, anything to add, John? Or do, do no, I think he's capped it all off there. I know there's a few things in the pipeline for uh, the end of the year. Like, And I saw something Steve put out the other week. He said, if the, the fighters are good enough, now it's showcasing them and letting them prove it, isn't it, Steve? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, 
I've got a few to announce. I'll tell you off the camera, but uh, there's some belters happening, mate. Yeah. Right. Well, I'll tell you what. You tell us off the camera, but um, you know how this works, Steve. You you've been on here more than anybody. Three minutes, the bell goes, and Johnny, you ready to start round one this week? Yeah, ready to go whenever you are. And it's going to be um, yourself, Woody, and the man we spoke about on the phone yesterday, Ryan Garcia. Yeah, I mean, when you sent me a list through what you were talking out, which was the TikTok boxes, which I know we're going to do next. I was hoping we were going to do it first and this would fall into it. But uh, no, I'm a big fan of Ryan Garcia. And uh, obviously, they call him the pretty boy and they reckon that uh, he's like a TikTok boxer because he's got 8.9 million followers on Instagram. But obviously, on Saturday, he had that fantastic stoppage of... Uh, Javier Fortuna, who's a good good fighter and only been stopped once before. I think that's another case to cementing that he is the real deal and he's a proper fighter. He's only 23, 23 and old, 19 knockouts. You know, I think last time we was on, we were saying that fights to watch him, him and the tank um, would, would be one. Um, Again, we're going to talk about promoters not making things. Is it not going to happen because he's with Golden Boy, the tanks with um, PBC or whatever they're called? And, you know, uh, he's the real deal for me. I just wondered if you two uh, are, are getting in on the hype now. Or are you still doubters? No, I think John's always behind it. I've been on that. But, you know, what I've gone to John because he knows a lot more about He's studied Garcia more than me. And I know bits, but plenty about him. And John really does. Um, it's how big he looked the other night. In that three years, he's gone from 130 to looking like a 140-pound fighter. And I think that tank fight's got to happen quick or he could grow even further. What do you think, John? Yeah, I, I think we're going to miss that one. Yeah, I, think I do. The way tanks manage, will look after him and drag it out for that long, but Garcia will just be too big. I like Garcia. Um he made me a believer properly when he beat Luke Campbell when he got up off the floor because Luke Campbell's good. He's underrated. And to get up off the floor and stop Campbell, that was big. We just don't see him enough, do we? I, I know he had the problems outside the ring, but very much like Tank and like Haney and stuff, we just don't fight often enough. We don't know how good they're going to be. But he's right in that mix, isn't he? You know, you could make any fight of those top lightweights or light welterweights now, if you want to call yeah. it that, and put Garcia in and he, he's not going to be shown up as he's right in the mix of them all. I think super lightweight is going to be his division. You look now, you've got Josh Taylor there, but Jack Hatro, Regis Pagray, Jose Zapita, jo you know, Carlos Ramirez. He'd have a big, big chance against all of them. Or why not fight Sandor Martin, the, mate, the man that beat Mikey Garcia, who's about 41 and whatever. He's got a fantastic record. Uh, there's so much room in that division. I agree with you, John. I think we've missed the tank fight. Yeah. Mm. Mikey well, Garcia against Ryan Garcia. That's a, a typical yeah. fight, isn't it? Yeah, you know, there's so much for him at either way. I just think he's growing and growing by each fight. And, you know, the way he's grown over the last two, three years, John, just shows how, how, how far he could end up a welterweight in two, three years. I'm sure he will be fighting that way. Yeah, listen, he punches so quick and hard, he, he's going to be an handful for yeah. anyone. Round two, these TikTokers who boxed Saturday night. Um, I didn't know a lot about it. I knew there was some model girl who had been working with Mark Tibbs on it, or I don't know what, Ellie so I'd never heard of her till last week. I had to look her up to, to know. Oh, she oh yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, I did look her up, yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, I, I, I saw she's in Mark with Mark Tibbs. And on Saturday night, I was watching the boxing here, and but on my Twitter feed, there was more people talking about these TikTokers. There was many people. And... 
it was clips of it coming up, and I was absolutely horrified by what I saw. You saw a 51-year-old man get knocked out by a young kid he had a feud with. A, the young kid had accused him of, you know, of a few things when he collaborated with a younger TikTok. I mean, what the fuck a 51-year-old man's doing on TikTok? I don't know. Um, and, you know, there was one guy that was about four stone getting beaten in 48 seconds. That was absolutely horrific. And anyone involved in that who cares for boxing should be ashamed because this isn't like Jake Paul TikTok or, you know, someone who's got 9.7 million followers who's actually a brilliant fighter. These are people who couldn't even hold their own in an amateur gym. And this sort of stuff is where someone's going to get hurt. Whoever thought to put a 51-year-old in with a young kid need, need stringing up. Horrific. Don't think, I'm sure you two agree. I just wanted to get it right off my chest tonight, really. Yeah, well, listen, I'm sure John is like me, completely agrees with what you're saying. But what what annoys me is obviously the likes of IFL and Boxing Social are working on it. And it just shows you what it is. It just shows you what it all is now. It's about getting numbers and views and things like that. And to be honest with you, the pure boxing fans like us are getting lost and we're getting overtaken. And, you know, people that you would never expect to do things that involve these sort of low standards are doing it because it makes money. And uh, to me, people have got to start looking at themselves and starting to think to themselves, you know, uh, we're, we're better than this and... Uh, and rise above it. This this has got to be washed out so that nobody's watching it. But it's not going to happen. It's just going to carry on because there's a market for it, and and that that that's a shame. What what's the deal with people being involved in the corners in things like this? Because I thought at one point there was a a rule where if you were a pro trainer, you weren't allowed to work in a white collar. Way. You weren't allowed to be in the corner and stuff. But there's pros involved in that. But the the kid who um the ginger kid who had just been taught to hold his hands up like this and he got flattened. I've got to be honest, it made me laugh. But maybe that'll put people off being involved in it because that kid couldn't fight. He found himself in an horrendous situation and he, he got blasted, didn't he, and didn't want to know. I'm guessing that the guys who, 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 who have full licenses who work with fighters weren't in the corners. They were just nearby. It happens in unlicensed all that we see that. Round three, over to you, John, about what makes too much sense in boxing that we're not going to see. Yeah, well, I, I was looking through uh, Twitter the other day and I saw that... The, the, under instruction to make Bivol against um, Zerdo, isn't it? And I thought, well, the perfect fight to make now is Buatzi and Callum Smith. But it's not going to happen. It makes too much sense. So my brain started wondering about things that would actually do the sport a world of good, but will never happen in a million years. Can you imagine in April and September, all the promote the big promoters each match all the fighters. They make two massive pay-per-view shows. Wembley Stadium in April, Old Trafford in September, and you've got Buatzi against Yard. You've got, I'm plucking names off the top of the end, you know, straight from the bottom of the card to the top, Heffron against Chelly. And all the promoters match all the fighters and make two massive pay-per-view shows. It'd shut all us up about the promoters not matching each other. It'd be enormous events for the sport. It'd smash the pay-per-view. The fighters would get paid. It'd help all the fighters develop. But it'll never happen. You know, it makes too much sense. So I was just thinking of other things that had that had helped the sport that will just never happen. I had two things. Um, one thing that will never happen is more promoters getting TV chances because you might see better undercards than what we're getting at the moment. There's people out there, promoters, do like Carl Greaves, Woody, Steve Goodwin, 
they know more than a lot of the promoters who've got TV deals have forgot they've forgotten more than they know. I'd like to see that spread out. Never going to happen because these guys are so protective. And you see the undercard the other night at BT was was okay, and we were sort of relieved to get a half decent yeah. one. You know, and then it still wasn't brilliant. It was okay. The other thing is something Eddie Earn touched on. He's row with uh, McCauley where he said he got into number one with a WBO without fighting any world-class fighters. If you get to number one, we should have a proper eliminators to get there. But it's never going to happen because it's too, it's too much money at stake. Steve? Yeah, listen, I'm just picking up on uh, what John's first point was, was that Callum Smith v. Bawatsa. But they were the same promoters. So, you know, like it makes sense to happen. That, that should happen. The problems yeah. are when they're with different promoters. If they're the same promoters, there's no reason why that fight can't happen. And, you know, is Cal Smith's earned enough money, you know what I mean? So, uh, it's like he shouldn't worry about fighting Boatsy because if he loses, he's obviously not what he was and uh, he, he won't have to w work when he retires. You know, he's got enough money behind him. For Boatsy, if he fights... Callum Smith and and he and he wins great. He moves on. If he loses, he's lost to a world class fighter, and uh, he can learn from it and and, and come back. So uh, it, it's mad when you can't make them in your own stables. You've got a problem with the other stables. Going back to the tank one there and Garcia, you know, there with different promoters doesn't make sense. But I'm agree with John. It'd be lovely to see a big pay per view with everyone splitting the money because there'd be plenty there. To, yeah. Oh, it'd be great. We're on four. So we spoke about last week, but let's get your take on it, Steve. Um, Connor Ben, Chris Eubank Jr. Oh, right. I didn't realise you spoke about that one last week because yeah. it was on, only come out to my attention about Thursday last week. So, uh, you know, again, you could have put this under, does it Does it make sense? Because it doesn't make sense to me. I, I get it. And I do get it because uh, they'll both make a, a lot of money out of it. And... Uh, that's one of the reasons why they're in the sport. But I don't get why you spend so much time building a kid up at welterweight to then go and put him in with a middleweight. They're going to try and get down to half a middleweight, aren't they? Between like middle and middle, if the truth be known, that's that's what they're trying to do. So that's the only chance that Ben's got of winning is that he's drained and not strong the way. Otherwise, it's a shoo-in. But, you know... Again, if you spoke about it last week, I do I do apologise, but um, I'm presuming you're along the same lines, guys. John virtually said word for word what you said, Steve. I was a bit more, I mean, I, I think Eubank wins. I was a bit more defensive of the fight, so I think it's a brilliant occasion, and I, and I can't wait for the build-up. I've, um, I've, I've been thinking about this a bit more, because I've seen people saying, Ben's got nothing to lose. You know, if he loses, he's lost to a middleweight. But... The rivalry and the names, Ben Eubank, I, I think he has got a lot to lose if it goes wrong. You know, he's not fighting a world-class middleweight who they can say, oh, you know, he was too big and too good like Brook and Golovkin. This isn't that. This is Chris Eubank who might be a top 10 middleweight, might be top 20. But it's that rivalry, you know, yeah. Eubank, Ben. If he gets done badly by Eubank, it, you can't just brush it off and blame it on the way. It, it'll have a lasting effect, I think. Absolutely. You know what? It's pride. When you walk down the street, like people like yourself, John and Steve, you saw me and thought, well, we lost to the bigger man, blah, blah, blah. The, the, to man in the street, they're not selling that fight to the boxing casual. They're selling that to the man in the street, the older man who went to the first fight and watched that. Yeah. They, they, they would see Connor bend down the street, walking down the street in Brentwood, and they'd say, 
as Nigel Benson got smashed to bits by Chris Eubank. They won't, yeah. be, they, they won't be thinking of the weight difference. There's a hell of a lot to, him to lose when it comes to pride. It won't hurt yeah. you, but you know, and you got to you have to hear Connor speak. How proud he is! But what has surprised me is the number of people who are tipping Connor Ben to win. There's a lot of people seem to fancy him, which you know, hey, maybe I'm wrong, but I'm quite shocked at that. They're all yeah. basing it on weight, aren't they? Though. Yeah, that's all you can base it on. Steve, is that, three, is that three minutes up, boys? Or are we still going? No, you got. We got ten seconds. Ten seconds. Yeah. Yeah. Round five, um, Mark Efron. Um, obviously, I'll be really quick because John knows Mark better than me. Steve's worked with him. Um, I just thought the other night, for when he turned pro in 2010 with Gary Hyde, he was knocking out everybody or he knocked out most of them first 14, and 15, 14 or 15 fighters pretty quickly. Um, hello? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, he lost yeah. me there. He knocked out those first 14 or 15 fighters pretty quickly. The build around him, especially around Manchester, it was could he be the man who replaced Hatton? The fact it took him 12 years to win a title is quite, it's astounding me, but he's got there now. And I just think Frank Warren and Kevin Murray have just got to push on with him now and take whatever's out there, big fights for him. You can't hold him back or say we'll keep him busy on the domestic circuit. Um, I think he's done really well. Look, you know, credit to Joe Gallagher the other night who he's gone to. I remember he had a shocker against Liam Williams, his performance, and... Uh, he was second best in the Bentley fight. I remember in one of Josh Warrington's undercard, I think, was it the fight after Williams? He looked terrible over six rounds. But all credit to him. I thought he was tremendous the other mm -hmm. night. And forget, it was slightly mm -hmm. too early, the stoppage. A stoppage is never slightly too early. It's either too early or correct. Um, yeah. I thought the stoppage was right. Listen, you say like 12 years, you've got to give him fair play to... Yeah, uh, absolutely. And it's been a it's a been a funny one, hasn't it? I mean, he's had more more stiffs than the the marg round the back of it, hasn't he? You know, let let's have it right. He's uh, he's not for anyone that they thought he wasn't going to beat. But Liam Williams and Bentley, the two he wasn't going to beat, beat him. But he's come back. He's stuck at it for twelve years, and and I know him personally. He's improved as a person as well. And you know, to me, that was big as you know the improvement on that is as big as the, the boxing for him. He's, he's a miles better person than he was. He's got to go and won a title now. I mean, he's took twelve years to do it. Sometimes I was thinking he's fought that many stiffs that by the time he got in the big fights, he wasn't ready for it. But you know. It's like, how long do you need? Some people need longer than others. And I think mentally he might have been a bit weaker and they've worked on that and, and, and he's, he's come through, you know, like trainers as well. He's probably had more trainers than JD Sports, you know. But <laughs> uh, he's, uh, you've got to give him props. And uh, as I say, he, he's, he's a lot nicer person now than he, than, than, than he, than he was. And uh, I'm friendly with his dad and it was great to hear him giving his dad uh, a little bit of a shout out on the night and he's won. And, and I, I was made up for him. Yeah, he, he, he's all right now, Mark, isn't he? I think Rebecca and that, uh, his daughter Poppy, I think they've changed him a lot, haven't they? Um, but I, I just think he's the definition of a confidence fighter, Mark. If he gets a little doubt in his mind, I, I don't yeah. think it goes well for him, but he hurt Clark early and that was it then. You just saw his confidence rise. Clark was never going to put a dent in him, really, I don't think. Uh, and Clark's a tough bastard as well. Yeah, but, yeah really pleased for Mark there. Um, I don't know what they're going to do with him. He could sell a bundle of tickets making a defence at Boundary Park, couldn't he? But yeah. I think uh, I saw Joe doing an interview saying he wants to push on to people like yeah. Rosado. So. Got, got to push on. Final round, John. Um, not a very good topic you come up with. I thought this, the British Super Bantams and Feathers. 
Yeah, let me get my list here because there's so many of them, isn't there? Yeah, obviously. Um, they're all on BT as well. So going back to what Steve said, you know, if you can't make fights in your own stable, you've got a problem. But I think Frank is going to match these uh, super bantams and feathers. So we've got Dennis McCann, who I thought looked pretty good on Saturday night. Um, Liam Davis, British champion. You've got Jason Cunningham, the veteran. You've got Andrew Kane, the puncher. Nick Ball, a little wrecking ball at featherweight. And the piranha, Ryan Garner. All those fighters are all within four pounds. None of them are going up to super feather. Maybe Garner might be pushing it a little bit, but they're all set at that weight now for two years. Every one of those kids has got a great style to watch. They all want to fight each other. I think we could be set for a little, um, tremendous little area of super bantamweights and featherweights if you all mix it up. And oh. for win whoever comes through that will be ready for the next level. It it's a great mix. I'll tell you what, it isn't just who Frank's got their BTs. There's no excuses for them not to fight, but... You've got Jordan Gill, you know, Nathaniel Collins, the really tricky southpaw. Um, and Frank's won the first bid for his fight against um, Ball. Ball against Ball. That's a that's a good, good fight. You know, you've got, you know, the older statesman, Gamal Yafai, don't write off Mark Leach, Shabazz Massoud. You know, you've got Hopi Price who's up and coming. It's absolutely Hopi Price, nuts. yeah, I've missed Hopi Price. It's absolutely nuts. And, you know, Jack Bateson's now about 15, 16 and zero. You know, this, these, that division, them two divisions that win four pounds, that is a brilliant domestic scene where two or three of them are going to go on, I'm sure, and fight for world titles. Yeah, and you know what, lads? You're railing them off the phone. I made a list before there, and I think the one you mentioned, that Collins and Nick Ball, their styles are made to make a, a yeah. good fight. You know, and uh, it'll be intriguing to watch that one, whether it's like the... Uh, the gungo Nick Ball going forward or, or the slick skills of Nathan Collins wins that. But that's been made and that's going to happen. So uh, that's one to look forward to. But I think, obviously, you've got Lee Wood and Josh Waddington, who's, who's, who's yeah. above the, yeah. these, these lot. But Jazza Dickens has probably fell down into that mix there. And yeah. uh, Thomas Ward had another win last night. Yeah. And, um, Thomas Patrick. Lee Wood. Yeah, it's in, it's in Galahad. Well, yeah. Galahad's lightweight now, Galahad's isn't it? lightweight and you ignore, you ignore Josh and... And leave, yeah. And then, then, then also, there's another good kid who I've seen when I've been down in London called Louis Lynn, and um, yeah, Louis Lynn. He, he's with he's with Frank Warren. So you know, uh, one of the things that, that I'm going to do is put some of my lads in a tournament where they fight each other in, in six rounds and then go to eight rounds. And uh, I mean, obviously, these kids kids are a bit more advanced than them, but you know, why not eliminators and titles and and, and just just get them on? And you like you're looking three fights in advance, then aren't you? You know, you know what's for you for the winner. It'd, it'd be absolutely fantastic and. If you could mix them with other promoters, even better. But you say Frank Warren and Queensbury's there has probably got eight good kids around those weights and uh, everybody will tune in. And, and that's what we need to be doing. Like Steve mentioned, the undercards and things. But some of the top of the bills have been uh, horrendous as well, haven't they? So uh, if you could put those and say, right, they're going to be on our next few shows, you get everyone excited again and... Uh, that's what you want, you, you know. I, I've seen it myself. You know, the, the crowds are dropping at the moment, and it's not just the boxing; it's everything. All the music venues. I've been speaking to yeah. the, uh, the the event managers at places, and they're all twenty thirty percent down. And boxing will go down more as, as the money gets tighter. They're putting cap on, so yeah, this is the well, right time to put these on, and there's no excuses. There's there's something that makes too much sense. It'll never happen. That never happen. Get get all of the eight. The top guys on BT Sport do a big press conference with all eight of the Super Bantams and Featherweights. 
and start announcing fights and make them personalities, get them publicity, do a full show of just these guys. Yeah, um, and draw, put them in a drawer so they all go and pick them in a drawer. Right. I, I, I yeah. When the yeah. new season comes, I mean, it, well, again, it won't happen, but to get bums on seats and, you know, our promote, are we going to get to the stage where it's like America where promoters just have to think, well, what TV money we get? We're not going to sell tickets because, you know, the cost of living crisis and when the fuel bills or the energy bills, should I say, go up again in October, it's going to kill people even more. And I say, I don't know what, you know, concerts are doing. I go to a lot of gigs and they're just not doing the tickets they did. I mean, I know a band like, you know, Kasabian, for example, this boxing to be comparable, or a major headline festivals, you know, Nedworth, they did with Liam Gunner, headline the Isle of Wight Festival. They're doing the arena in October. They're only taking the lower bowl. And that's one of the biggest bands in the there are. So that, that shows and boxing's gonna be the same. Mm. Especially when there's so many shows to pick and choose from as well. Yeah. yeah. And so much of it on TV as well. Yeah. Yeah. So much of it. All right then, fellas. Uh thanks for coming on this week. Woody, enjoy your summer break, Woody. John, yeah. thanks as always. You enjoy Good your summer break. I know you're working all the way through, John. You don't yeah. have time off, mate. Well, I've dazed off, mate. You don't have days off. I haven't had a month off, so... He's earning some... Tell him, Steve, if, if he had his money, I'd throw mine away. <laughs> last uh, last holiday I have, Steve, was New Orleans. How about yeah, that? Yeah, you told me that. You, you need to the get to America and again, Steve, mate. But, you know, last that was, like, that was like five holidays rolled into one, though, wasn't it? I needed it. I'll tell you Christ. what, fellas. Thanks, John, for coming on and helping me out, mate, the last few months. I look forward to... Speaking to you again in August. And Woody, I look forward to speaking to you again very soon. And everyone else who's tuned in to this 83rd episode with 17 off a ton. Uh, thanks very much. And we'll see you all in August. Well, here's an idea, Steve, just before we go. See if people latch on to this. Why don't you start doing um, live bell-to-bells around the gyms? Get all the lads from the gyms and do it live. It could do, yeah. It'd be a good idea to get all the lads at, say, a VIP gym all sat around together, put three minutes on, have them debating, or everyone at Rob Rimmers and stuff like that, and I think we could get some good stuff on that. set that up, do you reckon, Woodstock? Yeah, I think we could do that. Yeah. Is it a different format? That's right. People sick in here in our voice. Let's get the boxers' voices on. Yeah. i get Olgan to film them, but tell him he can't talk. Thanks very much indeed, fellas. Thanks, everyone, for listening. For all boxing... Info, news and latest interviews, Amateur and Pro, across the north, click and subscribe. VIP, boxing promotions. Also, Twitter, Instagram and Facebook.